Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. This is a unique silent killer. I would argue might be the sneakiest of all of them. Verse 13, Jesus said, someone in the crowd, Jesus being referred to here, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. Or some versions say, be on guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want to talk about the silent killer of greed. Let's pray. God help. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And welcome everyone that's joining us online. Some of you down in Tampa today joining us. uh, Wherever you might be in the world, it's a joy to have you with us. Many of you know I'm married a Puerto Rican. And so as such, when we started having children, and we have eight, when we started having children, we would try to teach, or I would try to teach them Spanish. And my Spanish isn't great, but... You would try to give them little words here and there. And so one of the words that you would learn as a child when you're eating is, would you like some more? Anybody know how to say more in Spanish? Mas. Everyone say mas. Mas. Now, I thought the first word that some of my kids were speaking was ma or mama. But what I didn't realize was my kids are Puerto Rican. If you ever heard a Puerto Rican or Cuban speak, they drop the S off the end of words. So instead of saying mas, they say ma, ma. So I thought they were saying mama. I think they were saying more and more because we would give them food and they would ask for more. They would ask for more. Today we're talking about greed, and it's a Greek word. The language of the New Testament is Greek. It's a Greek word that's a compound word, which comes from two parts. One part is the word more, mas. Everyone say mas. The other is the verb to have. It's more to have. The word covetousness, or the word greed in the New Testament, is a word that refers to the desire for more, the need for more, the craving for more, the the want, the demand that I must have more. Now Jesus says, be on guard against all kinds of covetousness, all kinds of greed. That means you could be greedy for money. You could be greedy for social media followers. You could be greedy for opportunities. You could be greedy for fame. You could be greedy for someone's attention. It's when you desire more. Now, what makes this silent killer, I would argue, uniquely challenging to us is that unlike other silent killers that we have discussed and will discuss, most people already have their guard up for pride in the sense that we would say nobody likes pride. Whenever we see pride or narcissism, we hate it. When we, when we feel anxiety, we hate it. The problem with greed, which is where we're going today, the problem with covetousness is that at least in the culture in which we live, I would argue that not only is there a tendency to fail to guard ourselves from this, we also on top of that tend to embrace it in every fashion that there could possibly be. It's in every commercial 
that we watch. It's in the ads that we listen to. It's on the things that we see on social media. It's, it's the way we make decisions. People actually make their decisions based on more than anything else, perhaps, this thing. It's the, the dream of vacations and cars and stuff and clothes and homes. This is how students choose majors based on how much money they can make. It's how people tend to choose what job they're going to switch over to based on how much money they make. And so here we are when Jesus says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. I frankly think most of us are like deers in the headlights taking a look at Jesus when he says this. We almost don't know what he means at all because we've been discipled by people like Gordon Gecko in the old Wall Street movie where he said, you've heard greed is bad, but I want to hear, I'm here to tell you that greed is actually good. It is through greed that people have been motivated. It is through greed that we invent vaccinations. It is through greed that we've come through with great innovations and technologies and creativity that's, that's been spurned. Greed has produced all manner of human improvement throughout society. Greed, he would say, is very, very good because greed is going to pull out the best out of humanity. To which, of course, Jesus Christ would say, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Because greed is deceptively dangerous. And that's what I want to jump at today. And that's what I want to look at today. So why is it, if you're down in Guyana, if you're in Tampa, wherever you're, why is greed uniquely dangerous to us? Number one, greed is uniquely dangerous because it corrodes our relationships. And this is what we see at the beginning of this passage. That it says there, there was someone in the crowd. And I, and I want to give you the picture here so you can kind of get this. We see in verse 1 of the same chapter, Luke chapter 12. It says, in the meantime, while so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling one another, Jesus began to speak to his disciples. So the scene is, there are thousands of people, it's wall-to-wall people, it's like a a super spreader event during COVID, if you want to call it like that. It's like a football game in a stadium with a whole bunch of people. I mean, there's people everywhere, and there's all these people, and Jesus goes on, and Jesus is preaching and teaching, and let's get clear, his disciples. There's thousands of people teaching, and he's talking to his disciples, which means he's not with a microphone speaking to some crowd. Jesus is talking to disciples, and the crowd is not so much hearing as they are overhearing what he is saying to his disciples when he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. When he goes on and says, uh, whatever you whisper in private is going to be proclaimed in the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but can't touch your soul. Fear the one that can, that can kill your body but then also send your soul to hell. And then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he goes, he's giving all these eternal things and these eternal words to his disciples in the midst of thousands of people. And yet somehow there's this one guy that's in the midst of thousands of people that's close enough to Jesus that it seems like as soon as Jesus pauses long enough to breathe, the man breaks through in verse 13 and says, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And the scene is almost like if I was in the middle of preaching right now and one of you stood up and said, tell my brother to give me some gator tickets right now. It's imagine someone jumping up in the middle of hundreds or thousands of people and they get up and they make some, requ- some demand of the teacher almost as if they haven't heard a thing that Jesus is saying. And Jesus says to them, take care, beware, be on guard against all kind of greed. Because what I've seen, and many of you have seen this as well, where Money has a way of dividing people. If you've ever been on the bad side of an inheritance, when it's like, whoa, that's not fair. If you've ever been in the bad side of the, the cookies being handed out in class, that's not fair. It's really interesting to me because, you know, I've got eight kids. I did not train any of my kids to say that's not fair. But the first time they were ever in a setting where one of their siblings got more than they did, guess what they said? That's 
not fair. Why, didn't they, why don't they say something naturally like, Daddy, you're so great? Why don't they say something like, Mommy, can I please help clean? How come that doesn't slip out? But greed has a way of, of corroding our relationships. Now, now, by the way, I do not believe that this man was on the, the end of in, some kind of injustice because if you've ever read the book of Luke, Jesus consistently addresses injustice in the book of Luke. Jesus comes at it on multiple occasions. So I do not believe Jesus is just overlooking oppression and saying nothing about it. So I do want to get clear. I do not think we're supposed to gloss over oppression and in the light of oppression that we just say nothing. We use our voice when we see oppression. But I'll tell you what probably was happening was in Jewish culture, the, the firstborn son would get two-thirds of the inheritance Everybody else got one-third. So if there was two sons, one dude gets 67%. One guy gets, you know, the, the one-third of this, the 33% or whatever. And I can imagine if you're the guy on the side that's getting the one-third instead of the two-thirds, even though you come from this culture, what if you're the guy that took care of dad before he died? What if you're the guy that took care of mom before he I mean, I, I, can, I can certainly feel like him and say, you know what, that's not fair. Jesus, can you make this right? And yet Jesus, when he's looking at this guy, he's looking at him and saying, do you not understand that your money is about more than you just getting whatever you think is your due? You, what I want to do in you is something so much more important, so much more valuable, so much more profound than this. In fact, everything he's been teaching about up until now was about these eternal matters. This guy's clearly hearing none of it. And Jesus says, watch out. Be on guard against all kind of greed. Now, now church, my, my vision today is that, you, that you're going to have a heart to understand that things may be a little more dangerous than we think that they are. In fact, I'm going to read to you. I don't even think I have this in the notes, but I'm going to read this to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6 because this kind of is the vision of where I want to go today. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said in verse 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. My vision today for us is that we're going to reach a place of contentment. And I need you to hear me on this. You do not get contentment simply by getting 50-50 of the inheritance. You get contentment by choosing to be content. This is so big because what this guy is, I promise you what he's thinking is, I would be content if only I could get 50% of the inheritance. But Jesus is saying to him, I'm not even going to fight for your 50%. I'm not even going to go against the culture right now. What I'm going to say is, for sure, you've got to be on guard against all kinds of greed. Because... Greed is uniquely and deceptively dangerous, and it corrodes relationships. I have seen marriages fall apart as a pastor in counseling. Marriages that fall apart because of money, and siblings that don't get along because of money, and business partners that split up because of money, and microchurch uh, members that, that they're no longer friends because of money, and people that would have walked a long time. I've seen churches split up over issues of money. We've seen pastors that have fallen over misuses of money, businesses that have failed from the abuse of the people that had the power over money. Greed corrodes our relationships. Greed is also uniquely dangerous, number two. 
not just because of what it does relationally, but what it does to our, to our souls. It's, it, number two, it gives us a false sense of security. We see this when it says that this man, he, he produced, he had these possessions, Jesus tells this parable, of a rich man, that, and his land produced plentifully. Now, you've got to be careful because there, there is a, there's a little Pharisee in all of us that tends to think that, that when we get blessed, it must mean God's favor. That, that when you see, so, there, there, many of the Jewish Pharisees believed that if you were rich, that you were blessed, and if you were poor, then you were cursed. And right now, I just wish I could take you to other parts of the world. If you've ever been to Haiti, you can meet some of the godliest people you've ever met. Some of them that, that uh, are living a poverty that would blow our minds away, but they've got a godliness that would spin your head if you only knew how much faith that they had and how deep and profound the relationship with God is. So just please rest assured that, that the fact that, that, that someone's got something on the outside, it's, it's, it's neither, it, it does not indicate anything other than the fact that they've received blessing, okay? There can be something that's there, but this man produced, and the irony of the blessings of God is that they can often cause us to forget the very God who blessed us. Beware, he says, watch out for greed. And, and he thought to himself, what am I going to do? I've got nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll keep on building bigger barns. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll keep on. I'm going to put money. I'm, I'm going to diversify. I'm going to have more barns. I'm going to have. I'm going to put some in gold. I'm putting some in silver. I'm in the S&P 500. I'm getting some cryptocurrency. I'm going to invest in some land. I'm going to have. I'm going to have my stuff all over the place because then I will be secure. And, and there is there is a feeling, and I I'm, I'm, I even hear it among Christians that if only I had enough money in the bank, then I would be secure. That if I could, and I've, and I've talked to people, and they'd say, man, if, as soon as I get this many millions of dollars saved up, then I will retire. And, I, and I've talked to, seriously, people that are like, then I'm going to retire, I'm going to give my life for the ministry, I'm going to give my life for the poor, I'm going to give my life for the needy, I'm going I'm to use all the things I've learned. And I've talked to people that they, they told me this when they were in their late 40s, and, and then they go on to be in their 50s and 60s and 70s, and they're, and they're still hustling. By the way, we never call greed, greed. We usually call greed something else like making moves. We, we just relabel it. No, 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 I'm not greedy. I'm just ambitious. I just got to drive. I'm diligent. It's the 10x rule. I'm, I'm, I'm going after this. I'm, it, I do the 20x rule. I've got the, and, and, we, and we've got these drives and these things that we do. And, and what happens is uh, greed has a way of, of producing in us this false sense of security. Like Many of us are hearing, and I don't even want to belabor it because all of us know it all too well right now, people that had hustled and worked and made moves and done all the stuff without calling it greed for years because one day I'm going to be generous and one day I'm going to give and one day I'm going to have time and, and one day I'll be there and, and assuming that money would give that to you and then some people that have even retired recently and got COVID and at age 53 died on a ventilator. And never enjoyed the money that had somehow whispered promises of a security it could not deliver on. My friends, I want to let you know very clearly, there is one shepherd that you can trust, and his name is Jesus. There is one provider that you can trust, and his name is Jesus. There is one fortress you can trust, and his name is Jesus. There is one rock you can trust, and his name is Jesus. There is one 401k that never runs out. And his name is Jesus, and I'm not against, 
I'm not against investing. I'm not against you putting money in the bank. I'm not against that. But, but there's something wrong in Proverbs 23, 4, and 5. It says, do not overwork to get rich. I, I've talked to people before, and, and, they're, and they're stressed, and they're anxious. And I'm like, man, bro, man, sis, it sure sounds to me like you're overworking to get rich. Well, I don't want to get rich. And we, we just change the words. It's not greed. It's moves. It's not rich. It's secure. And yet Jesus says, be on guard. Oh, we're on guard about pornography. At least m- many people at least act like they're, oh, we, we put, we've got things on our computers. We've got, we've got people. We've got a, accountability, accountability groups. If, if you look at porn, punch me in the nose the next time I look at porn. Pop. Oh, yeah, do it again. You know, like, like spiritual fight club. I and mean, we've got all our stuff going on. And, but then when it comes to greed, it's like, well, how can you know if it's you? It's, it, I'm just ambitious. I'm just driven. I'm just, I'm just going. But it creates this false sense of, of security. I, it's fascinating to me. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a parable of, another parable, of the parable of the sower. He mentions a sower that goes out to sow seeds, and, he, and it falls on four different kinds of ground. One of them is good ground. The good ground produces crops 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 times. Like, you put it on the good. When seeds fall on good ground, it makes multiplicative results. Some ground fell, some of it was like rocks. There was all these different things. The, the devil, the birds of the air came to take some of it. But one of them was in the weeds. And the weeds would choke it out. It's like you've got this good seed. This seed could produce a forest. This seed could produce a reconciliation in a family. This seed could produce a revival in a nation. This seed could produce an innovation that would change the world. This seed could produce all manner of on earth as the seed of God's kingdom is incredible. And yet Jesus made a fascinating statement that when the seed falls on ground that's full of thorns, this amazing, immutable, incredible seed is actually able to be snuffed out and rendered fruitless. And Jesus described the ground that was full of thorns as the ground that was the, full of the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceitful, see, see greed is deceitfully dangerous. It's because it, it gets you. That's why Jesus talked more about money than almost anything. And, 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 and I'm not just trying to set you up. I'm not doing a little offering here at the end like, hey, you know. This, my, my agenda right now is for us to realize this, this silent killer that has taken people way stronger than me or you down for millennia now. And greed creates a false sense of security that, that makes you feel like, like, like it's all okay, even when it's not. Greed is deceptively dangerous because it, it wrecks our relationships. It, it creates a false sense of security, but then ultimately it blinds us to the eternal. Or it blinds us to, it, it messes with our perspective. And this is what we find here in verse 19 when he's like, I'm going to have ample goods. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool." Friends, greed is not just sin. Greed is actually cosmically stupid. He says, you fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up for himself treasures on this earth, but is not rich toward God. Greed is deceptively dangerous because 
It doesn't, it, you, you lose your perspective. The whole chapter is about, listen, friends, you're going to be alive on this life for this long, and then you're going to live in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's almost like if you got a bunch of, if, you, if it was the, before the Civil War, imagine you were stuck in the South during this, before the Civil War was, was going on, and there was Confederate money, and you're like, oh my gosh, I hate being in this Confederacy right now, and, I, I, and you got this Confederate money, but you, but you know, let's say God told you in a vision, one year from now, the, the South is going to lose this a war, and, and the Confederate money is going to be useless. And you got a bunch of Confederate money. If you were wise, you would take your Confederate money, and you would trade it out as soon as possible for some good old American dollars. Because the Confederacy is going down, and those U.S. dollars are going to, how do you say, they're going to keep on, survive. That's, thank you. They're going to survive. You speak Spanish? Que bueno. There it is. And they're just going to keep on, I truly could not remember that. Sir, that's going to keep on going. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go and go and go. Friends, do you understand that the money you spend on this planet right now, when you spend it, it's basically done. But every dollar you have ever given in the name of Jesus has been secured in eternity forever. Do you know that? Do you understand that you've got the opportunity even today, even today, to trade out your Confederate money for good old American dollars, to trade out the, the Confederacy of, of this world for the, for the things that last forever and ever and ever? Do you understand every day, right now, if, if I were to go back and to the beginning of whatever it was, Amazon, if I gave you the chance on day one to invest in Amazon or Tesla, if someone told you that, and I don't, I'm not in the stock market, so I don't even know what the big whatevers are. But let's say you were in something and someone told you, oh my gosh, if you would have gotten in on the front end, do you know how rich you would be? Do you understand that 10,000 years from now, we will remember days like today where someone is getting up to remind you and say, oh friends, hear the word of the Lord, be on your guard, invest in that which will last forever, not that which is going to perish. See, what, what, what greed does is it, you, you lose your perspective. It's, you always want more. How do you say more in Spanish? Mas. 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 You, you lose your perspective. I mean, even right now, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and confess it. Ruthie, this, yesterday Ruthie made banana bread. She makes my very favorite banana bread, okay? Her banana bread, the only thing she does is she always makes one that's good, and she makes one and she ruins it by putting chocolate chips in it. I don't know why she does it. I, don't, I, I think it's like 2% of the population that likes it. I know someone does. You do? We always throw half of that one away, to which I'm like, why? Just throw some chocolate chips on top after it's made, and they can melt it on with a whatever, right? I'm going to go ahead and do it, right? But she, didn't do, she doesn't do that. So this morning she gets up, and so she made it last night, and, and some of the kids had eaten, and a bunch of it, most of the, the good one was gone this morning, and so she was asking, you know, where did it all go? Well, I didn't tell you when I, when, when I woke up, but I can't eat before I preach and stuff like that, so I'm in, I want to confess now, I, I put some in Ziploc bags and hid them in the house, okay? Because I knew... This morning when she asked me, and I, and, I, and I have to admit, this morning she asked me, like, what happened? And I, and, and I said, you know your kids, you know, and I, I, I do admit it. <laughs> and I do feel convicted right now. And, 
If I still feel convicted at the end of the sermon, I'll tell you where I hid the rest of it, okay? <laughs> but I just want a little more. Like, I just want more. I know they'll give me some, but it's not fair that my kids get as much banana bread as me when I'm bigger than they are. <laughs> Completely true story. Not in my notes at all. Greed, it, it, it blinds us to, to the perspective. You know, like when, when with our kids, we have this little song. I don't know that anyone else sings it. I don't know that anyone knows it. It goes like this. Uh, we taught our kids from the first one. I, I knew a little girl. She had a little toy. Actually, a doll. A beautiful doll. A lovely little doll. She said to the Lord, what shall I do today? The Lord said, give your little doll away. What? Give my doll away. But she did obey the Lord, and she did it right away. And the Lord said, don't you ever, ever fear what you give away down there. I will multiply up here. But it doesn't end there. We go, I knew a little boy. He had a little toy, a beautiful toy, a lovely little toy. He said to the Lord, what shall I do today? The Lord said, give your little toy away. What? Give my toy away. He did obey the Lord. He did it right away. The Lord said, don't you ever, ever fear what you give away down there. I'll multiply up here. I knew a little mom. She had a little car, a beautiful car, a lovely SUV. She said to the Lord, what shall I do today? The Lord said, give your SUV to me. What, Lord? I'll give an offering next week at church. Amen. There it is. <laughs> see, see the, the reality is Jesus would show up to people. He actually would say things like, I want you to give your SUV away. I want you to give your car away. We've had people, in, I've, we, we've had men in our church that I've known that have come to me with tears in their eyes and said, Pastor Mike, my life was marked by a father that believed Jesus, our family gave two or three houses away. We would just go give our house away. We did not have another house. We'd get a house paid off and he would give it away. He said, well, God's given me faith. It's not that he worked harder. It's not, they would go pay things off when everybody else was out you know, leveraging their debt and all this. He would go off and, and he would give these things away. And this, this grown man with tears in his eyes just saying, you have no idea how I just want to spend my life for the glory of God. He was a businessman. But he said, because I watched my daddy live for the glory of God. And I remember just like hearing this man like, I want to be like, this guy's dad. I want to I live that kind of a life. See, what greed does is it, is it blinds us to that eternal reality where, where Jesus would say, you fool. Not, not you sinner, not guilty, not shame on you. It's more like, would you really spend $7,000 on a hamburger? You'd say, that's a foolish, I don't care how good the burger is. You don't spend $7,000 on burgers, right? You'd say, you fool, bad trade, and Jesus is making the statement. You've got all this stuff, and you could invest it in eternity where you will never lose it, where you will have it forever, and you're going to spend it all. You're going to save it all up right now. And, and he's, you don't, he's like, you don't get it. Like, yes, it's okay. And, and guys, I want to make something really clear here. The point of today's sermon is not for you to have nothing. Okay, because when I'm reading scripture, for example, in the book of Proverbs, it does say in Proverbs 15, 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with trouble. What I want you to know about contentment is when you're content, you may have very, very little, but when you're content, you're richer than a rich man that's got a bunch of trouble. 
I was reading the quotes from a bunch of rich people this week. I'm not even going to read them, but it is, it is very difficult. When Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven than, for a, than, than to get a camel through the eye of a needle, he wasn't just talking about going to heaven when you die. He's talking about the richer you are in this world's stuff, the richer you are towards yourself, the harder it is for you to encounter and experience the kingdom of heaven in your life. But I want to, I want to show you something. The same book, Proverbs in chapter 10, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So the same, so I want you to watch this. The problem is not having stuff. The problem is when you've got stuff in a way that you're holding on with these white knuckles, like the blessing of the Lord will actually enrich you and there's no sorrow with it. The problem is not stuff and God is not jealous of your stuff. The problem is when your stuff is held like this and not like this. God wants us to hold our stuff like this, like the mom that was with her daughter and they're walking down the street and the daughter was an attorney and, and she looked at her mother and, and, the, and, the, and the wife was feeling the pressure of like she was either having to give herself to, the, to her job and her practice or her children and she kind of felt like she was cheating one or she's cheating the other and, and all these different things and they're walking down the beach together and she said, mom, you seem to have it together. Like you loved God and you loved your family, you went after your career and like how did you do all this stuff? How did you, and she was like kind of frustrated she wasn't getting partners fast as she wanted and, and she was kind of wanting more money and all these different things and, and her mom reached down. She said, hey, take some of this sand. And she picked up the sand. She said, now close your hands. And she closed her hands. And when she did, a lot of the sand fell out. And then her mom reached down and she picked up the sand. And she said, what I learned was when I hold it like this, I can hold a lot more. And she said, and if the Lord wants to take something, the Lord takes it. And if the Lord wants to put something back in, the Lord puts it back in. Friends, my dream for us it has nothing to do with how many zeros are at the end of your bank accounts, your retirement accounts. It's an issue of how many fingers that you're still clenching tight compared to how open your hand has become. My vision for our church is, is neither that we're physically rich or poor. That's frankly irrelevant to God because you could have no money in the bank and you're greedy, narcissistic, and full of pride and on your way to hell. And you could have a, a billion dollars in the bank and you're humbled in the sight of God and you're on your way to heaven enjoying every minute of it on the way because your hands are so open. The reality is the external circumstances are somewhat non-consequential. It's the state of your heart which is an issue of the contentment of your soul. What I want you to have is contentment and that looks like this. Contentment means, God, it's enough. If you deserve a raise, you can go ask for a raise. But you know what? If they say no, I'm content. If you wish your spouse would do a little more, if you wish your kids would do a little more, if, if, if in life there are desires that you have, you can come to God and say, God, I have desires. It's okay. He's a good father. You can ask God for things. But there's something good about when father says no, you don't keep going, mas, 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 mas. When we would give our kids ice cream and we'd say, okay, that's it. Now they'd say, mas, mas, and cookie monster comes out, right? When that happens, there's something bad about the cookie monster monster. And there's something beautiful about an open-handed, grateful, contented, peaceful heart. How many college students do we have in here? We'll go like this if you're a college student. I pray some of you become billionaires one day, come up with inventions and innovations and start companies and do amazing things. But when you ascend to your kingdom, hold it like this. Because sometimes Jesus actually comes along and says to a rich, young billionaire, sell everything you have and give it to me. 
And if and when he does, what you give away down there, I will multiply up here. Mike, what are you trying to tell us today? I'm trying to tell us today that we have a good God that's a gracious, loving, precious Father that knows the best thing for you, and he wants your joy, and I want your joy. I, I don't want you broke. I don't want you, I'm, 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 I'm not even thinking on that where, where I want is I want our hands as a church. I want our hands like this. As a, as a church body, one of the reasons we try to have 50% of everything that's, that we're spending to be able to go in other directions. And, and we want a board, even when we put our deacon board together and, and people making decisions on money. Like, we want to have a hand, hands that are like this, that we're listening, that we're like, God, what is it that, that you want to do? I mean, this happened recently where we had, we've got a, a quad in, in Pine Ridge and um, one of the you know, neighborhoods here in town that's you know, a little more disadvantaged and, and you know, prices on properties have gone through the roof. And, and you know, one of the things you got to do on a regular basis is ask like, hey, man, would you pay this much for what you, well, we have this piece of property that's paid for it and we could sell it and have, the, you know, so for quite a bit of money. And so we were just praying about that. And, hey, is this what we need to do? And so we've got people that live in Pine Ridge all the time. And they, were, uh, they came in and spoke to our whole deacon board. And they're like, hey, we are, we are giving our lives for this. And we are in here. And we're in here with kids. And we're doing ministry with families. And we've got all this stuff going on. And, and, and I know you guys, we could, you know, the church can make a bunch of money from this or whatever. And we're not, get, we're not getting any financial fiduciary benefit from holding this piece of property. And one of the guys is like, you know, the guy that's there, he's like, but I would live here for the rest of my life and give myself for these people. And it was just so wild. We went to go kind of vote on it as a deacon board. It was, it was really beautiful to watch the entire deacon board just be like, all right, Lord, we're going to keep this piece of property, even though you know, right now we're at the peak and we could probably make a good profit. I mean, we bought it for this much and we could sell it for this much. It makes all the financial sense in the world. And you could even get all the stuff about things like, well, you could do a lot of ministry just taking the profits. And it was just real clear. It was like the Holy Spirit, the Father's heart, when you go like this, he's going to sometimes say, ah, let something go, hold on to something, but your hands are open. And when you do, I, I think I'm speaking for all the people that were on the board that day, you could feel the pleasure of the Lord when it's clear you're the king of this house. And we've obviously missed that a lot of times, but sometimes I think we get it right. And can you imagine what it would be like if God was in charge of your house? Mike, what do you want me to do with this sermon? I, I want you to be on guard. What does that mean? This is really the application of the sermon. It's, I, it's not simply, hey, try to not be greedy next time. It's not that. I need you to put up guardrails before you need the guardrails. That's the application today. Put up the guardrails. Give me that slide up there. Put up the guardrails. When we were in Costa Rica, Ruth and I went to Costa Rica with some friends, and when we were driving, I, one way I should have spent money, we should have gotten a 4 by 4 because we were driving, on, we were staying on a mountain, and, and we went up this mountain, and we had like this little <laughs> puny car, uh, I think it was like a two-cylinder car, trying to get up mountains. I mean, that's a nice-looking, that doesn't even represent where we were. Uh, but when, you, when you're driving on a mountain, it helps to have guardrails because in the event that you get in a point of danger, the guardrails are going to save your life. But if you're already going off the cliff, it's too late to put up the guardrails. It's amazing to me that, like, I went to an open-heart surgery. I got to see someone do open-heart surgery. And when they did open-heart surgery, everyone had to wear a mask. They put masks on. They said, all right, everyone, be, be on guard against the germs because when you open this person up, we don't want to put germs in this person's body. So no one wondered, wait a minute, uh, should, do we need to be on guard? I bet most of you, if you were going out for a date with your spouse 
and your children were at home and you had, let's say your teenagers were at home, you'd say, lock the doors. Or at night when you're going to bed, you lock the doors. No one's kidding ourselves. If the Taliban wanted to go and break into your house, they could get through your locked doors. I bet you still lock your doors. I bet you still lock your cars. Why? Because you're being on guard. You've put a, you've put a uh, system in place to lock your doors. Hey, church, I'm very concerned that I am not watching Christians put a system in place to guard themselves against greed. What would that even look like, Mike? Well, I mean, here's some practicals. I mean, one is Jesus, uh, Jesus tells us to be generous, obviously, but the Bible from Abraham, which is before the law, to Moses, which is what we would call the law, to even in the New Testament, Jesus in the book of Luke would talk about even the principle of a tithe. A tithe means you give God the first 10% of whatever you make. It's a guard. I do not think it's wildly full of faith if you've got a lot of money. There, I got raised by a single mom. Tithing took tons of faith to be a single mom and tithe. I want to give that acknowledgement right now. There are some of you to even tithe would be a miracle for you to make it. I totally get that. But there's a lot of others. Even, I mean, there's people making moves and making a lot of money right now, and I've talked to people that have tripled their income. like, whoa, it's a lot harder to tithe when you're making triple what you used to make, Pastor Mike. I'm like, I bet. They're like, it's just so many more, so many more dollars that you're, that you're writing. And, and, and I get that what, what I'm telling you is this. I believe tithing, well, let me, say it, let, me say it like, let me say it gently. If you can't tithe, there's a very good chance you probably have a greed problem. It's a guardrail. It's not the only thing you need to do. It's a guardrail. I believe in guardrails. Like when I take my kids to the mall, I try to get them ready. Do not ask for everything. When we go to the store, I, I put up a guardrail. Before I, It's too late. Once, you, once you're in the store and your child says, mas, 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 I want, I want, it's too late. Before you go in the store, you have to tell them, do not ask for anything. All we're buying when we walk into Publix is orange juice. Nothing out. God knows I've gone into Publix to get orange juice with my kids and walked out with $37 of sugar. I've done that. And five of it for my kids. That has happened before, right? <laughs> that has certainly happened. Because then I've just made the excuse to eat whatever's set before you. And my kids wanted it. So it is my opinion some of you don't need to go on Amazon.com unless you call your accountability partner first. Because you get on Amazon to go buy $12 worth of stuff. And you come out and you spent $1,200 worth of stuff. And you're like, I don't know what happened. It was just such a good deal. I don't even understand how this happens. It's called algorithms, all right? Be on your guard against all kinds of you. Let, let, me, let me close it with, a, with a, good, a good example. There's a guy named Scott Lewis who went to a meeting with, with, with Bill Bright. And, and this guy had already set up guardrails. This guy had already put the guardrails up in his life. And Bill Bright was at this meeting, and, and he was challenging. These were business people. He was challenging all the businessmen there. I challenge you to give a million dollars to missions before you die. I challenge you to give a million dollars to missions before you die to help fulfill the Great Commission. Well, this guy, he had a machinery business. He, and this was probably like 25 years ago. Made like $50,000. Might be what, $60,000 in today's dollars, something like that. And he went up to Bill Bright. He said, hey, I don't know how I would ever, like, if you're asking people to make a commitment of like, yes, God, I'm going to ask you for the ability and I'm going to set a goal. Because he believed, like, God has no problem with goals but there's something weird if you're only setting goals to get rich on earth and you never set goals to get rich in heaven. And so he said to, uh, he said to Bill Bright, he's like, hey, man, how would I even ever do that? I only make $50,000. 
And even this past year, we gave $17,000 away. So at, when he was making, by today's dollars, sixty grand, he was giving 35% of his income away. Bill Bright looked at him, pointed at him, and said, I challenge you to next year tell God you want to give away 50 Commit to the Lord that if he will provide, you will give $50,000 to the work of the Lord. He's like, wait, I don't think you heard me. I only made $50,000 total this year. He said, do that and watch what God does. He said, okay, fine. So he did. And by December 31st of that next year, he had given away $50,000. But it didn't stop there because the next year, that number went from $50,000 to $100,000. And his testimony was that the wider his hands got, the more the Lord just seemed to provide and the more he seemed to just enjoy his life. See, God wants to... He does want to bless us. The, Lord, the fear of the Lord brings his blessing and he adds no sorrow to it. That's the dream is that there, there would be no sorrow to it. We've, we've all seen what it's like to be the opposite. And, and that's really what convicted me about this story because I'm, I'm reading this story and I see this guy. And, and when I kept reading the story, I'm like, wait. I'm like, dude. There's thousands of people. Like, imagine this. Thousands of people. They're all crammed in. They're trampling on one another. That means it's wall-to-wall people. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this guy happens to be in the front row. This guy happens to be listening in, like, so close he can have a conversation with Jesus. He's, I mean, do do you catch the scene? Thousands of people want to see Jesus. Thousands of people. I mean, parents would go up and say, will you touch my children? I mean, this is the guy that walks on water. This is the one that, that speaks to, to ears and demons pop out and people can hear and blind people can see and, and cancers get alleviated. I mean, if you just touch the hem of his garment, I mean, you get around Jesus literally, you just touch him and anything can happen. This guy is that close. He's that close. God Almighty has taken on flesh and come to earth and this man is a few feet away from him. And Jesus is in the middle, of, he's got like a sermon going. He's doing his sermon. He interrupts his sermon. And he gets one statement to Jesus. And the statement he says is, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. I mean, I mean, this week when I'm reading, I'm like, you fool. Shut your mouth and just go grab his garbage. I don't know about you guys. That'd be like jumping in his lap. You know what I mean? Like. Life himself is right in front of you. He's speaking words that are worth like a billion dollars. And all this guy can think about is his inheritance. I'm like, you, and I said it this week, I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, oh, you fool. And then it hits me. This is me. Like how many times in my life, how many times in my life have I been so close to him? And I missed his heart. Have I been in a conversation where he was, he was doing something, and I just wanted to make one more point, because greed is about more. You should have just shut your mouth and, and listened, Mike, and instead you just said something, because you were greedy with your words, or you were greedy with your attention, or someone's greedy with their money, or they're greedy with their time. Just one more. Just a little mas, un poquito mas. And he's this close. I, I, like, I almost want to go back in time and tell him, like, oh, dude, if, if you knew 
who, is, who it is that's sitting before you right now, like you would just touch him. You would just listen. You would just, you would just say, I'm sorry. You would, just, you would realize that even at times when, when things seem unfair, God sometimes even allows the situations of life to go like that so that the furnace is for gold and, the, and, and silver is for silver, but the Lord tests hearts as it says in Proverbs. And, and right now, you've got a chance, if you only knew that right now, this greed, you could get a billion dollars, but when you're greedy, you'll never enjoy it. You could get all the blessings that there are possible, but if you aren't right with God, if there's not a contentment, you'll never enjoy it. But with Jesus, you could have a little bit, or you could have a lot, but when you've got him, he himself is infinity. What do you not have when you have him? He's right in front of you. Reach out and grab him. And I don't know how this man responded. We don't, we don't actually have the answer. But I do know that right before this, Jesus had said, one day you're all going to stand before a judgment seat. And when you do, whoever confessed me before humans, I'm going to confess them before my Father and the angels. And whoever does not confess me before humans, I'm not going to confess them before the Father. You've got this life. It's in this life you have the chance to confess him. It's in this life you've got the chance to give things away. It's in this life that you've got a chance to divest yourself of confederate money and invest in that which is eternal. It is in this life. Oh, in Greenhouse, I'm begging God to make us a generous, open-handed church that everywhere we go, we're just on the lookout because our hands are wide open. But you'll never do it until you realize that he's the guy that did this. Because the king, in a world where kings usually demand people get poor to make them rich, he who was rich became poor to make us rich. In a world where people worship gods that demand that they make sacrifices, this God came and made the ultimate sacrifice. Who does that? The one that's the real God and the one that's the real king and the one that opened his hands on a cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if today you're wondering if you're loved, look no further than the cross because you're more loved than you can imagine. Let his love, let him love the greed right out of you because when you've got him, you've got everything you need.